Well, good morning, everyone. And I don't have slides for you this morning, so you might actually want to have your Bible open to James chapter 1. How good was Freedom Friday? And which Freedom Friday am I even talking about? Was it the 22nd of October when suddenly we could all go to the pub for a Palmer or visit our friends at home? Or Friday just passed when at 6pm you might have stepped out into the street without a mask or gone shopping somewhere other than the supermarket or even driven off to Bendigo just because you could. It's all been so good, right? After so many restrictions for so long, to see the rules finally disappearing feels great. It's good to be free. And I wonder if you noticed that James speaks about freedom in this passage today. In verse 25, he says, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. And it's a strange kind of paradox, isn't it? A law that brings freedom. We've really come to think of laws as restricting our freedoms, limiting our choices. So what is this perfect law that James is talking about here? It can't be the Old Testament law, can it? The Ten Commandments and so on that was given to Israel in the Exodus. Paul, in his letters, repeatedly calls that law the law of sin and death. Not that the Old Testament law wasn't good, but that all it ever did was enslave us, not free us. And I know this from personal experience. I'm sure that you do too, that the more you look at the Ten Commandments, worship no God but me, don't lie, don't steal, don't be jealous and want your friend's stuff, obey your parents and so on and so on. The more you look, the more you realise how much you've messed up. When I look at the law, I see that God is perfect and I am far from it. So it can't be that. Or rather, it can't just be that. The perfect law has to be more than this if it's our roadmap to freedom and blessing. And the clue we have in the passage comes right at the start of verse 21 about what more there is. James says this, Humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. And he has in mind, I think, the words of the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah that Anthea read for us, where he says, The Lord declares that the days are coming when I will make a new covenant, not like the covenant I made with Israel's ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, he says, I will be their God and they will be my people. I will forgive them, God says, and remember their sins no more. And from our vantage point, we have come to understand from reading the Gospels that all who believe in Jesus have this law, this perfect law, now written on their hearts. It's through Jesus that the law is perfected and turned into freedom for us. If we trust in him, then this good word grows in us, animating us, making it natural for us to live God's ways. We become doers of the word, as James says here. 
And as we live out the law, it brings freedom and blessing to us because this is what we were made to do. We were created as image bearers of God. To do his will is to be like him and to fulfill our purpose. And in practice, it looks like verse 27. James writes, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I think James again sounds like one of the Old Testament prophets here, like Micah, for example, who we read earlier this year, who said that God didn't want animal sacrifices or empty words of devotion, but that what he desires is for his people to act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with him. The Old Testament speaks again and again about how God loves the poor. So when we reach out and care for marginalized people, we are being like him. It is God who is perfect and holy. And when we obey him, then we become more like him too. But the question here is, if the word is planted in our hearts, if the law is written there, now that we have come to believe in Jesus, then why are we still messing up? Why does James sound so much like the Old Testament prophets who spoke to Israel who only had the law on tablets of stone or on a scroll? He's strong in his rebuke here to the church. See verse 21, he says, Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. In verse 26, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. We saw last week that these Christians, this early church, were facing trials, persecutions even, and now it seems there is strife within the church. They've got anger issues, and human anger does not produce the righteousness or the right life that God desires, James says to them. What is going on here? Shouldn't they be getting it right now that the word is within them? Shouldn't we be getting it right? Well, yes and no. And the no first. No, because the law is written on our hearts, not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done. He is the perfect one. Look at him in the Gospels. See him care for the marginalised, eating with sinners, healing people, caring for outcasts. It's him who is just like our Heavenly Father. Listen to Jesus as he teaches about the law in a way that addressed people's hearts, not just their behaviour. In Matthew 5, he says very much like James here, You've heard it said, do not murder. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Look in the Gospels and see how Jesus obeyed the law perfectly and then humbled himself at the cross for our sakes, so we would not be condemned by our law-breaking and flawed religion, but saved by his perfect, pleasing sacrifice of himself for us. We are not perfect. We are simply invited to humbly accept this good news planted in us. And so it is that now we can be forgiven that we can be made news, new. And this is the big difference now. When we accept Jesus, 
the word planted in us, even though, as James says later in chapter 3, we keep messing up. We stumble many times, he says. The word is still in us and growing in us. So here is the yes. Yes, this all should be making a difference in us and in our behaviour. James is saying, don't settle for the old ways that restrict and hurt. We've got this amazing advantage, so let the word grow in your hearts so you may become who you were meant to be and so you can experience the freedom that comes from living as God's faithful people. And the way he calls us to get on and to grow is to look intently, he says, into the perfect law. Don't just glance at it like you might look at yourself in the mirror like Jenny earlier on and forget uh, what you look like. No, pay attention. When we read the Bible, we grow in our understanding of God's love and his desires for us. We will never get to a point where we don't need to read it anymore because we do tend to forget just how expansive his grace and his good ways are. We need to read it every day, every time we gather as a church. It is life-giving and we are to live it out. We do this through a cross-shaped lens so that it looks like, feels like, smells like, tastes like freedom, not like death and condemnation anymore. You know, most people don't go and read the final chapter of a book before the beginning, do they? Because of spoilers, right? But when it comes to the Bible, we must start with Jesus and look back at all that is, has happened and all that is commanded in light of his life and death for us. If we don't do this, we will fall into the old cycle of trying to obey God in our own strength and failing and feeling guilty and ashamed and avoiding God's word then altogether. No, we come to God's law with Jesus by our side, with Jesus ahead of us as forgiven people. And then it is life-giving and doable with his help. With his help, we will become good at loving others like he does, good at extending grace to strangers in need, good at being good. Humbling ourselves before God will feel so much more natural when we understand in our experience that it's all for our benefit and to his glory. From time to time, there will be threats to this pattern of looking intently into the law. And the particular threat that James is concerned about here is infighting in the church. Verse 19, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Anger and hurtful words are difficult anywhere, but among God's people, it is very hard to bear. As I think about how this passage follows on from James encouraging the Christians to persevere through trials and persecutions, I wonder if those external pressures and stresses led to impatience with one another inside the church. People under stress develop short fuses and can default to protecting their own interests above others. And as I've read this, 
I thought about the threats that face us as we return to meeting together, having been separated for so long. We have endured the same lockdown sea, but we've all been in our different boats, all of us with different hardships and stresses. And I wonder if something similar might become a threat for us and something we can preempt here. Now, we are not a church that has experienced in-house strife, but we shouldn't think that we're immune to it or from any other sin. Some of us are going to return to church next week excited and raring to get on with things, but your expectations might not be met, and that could be frustrating. Some of us might be more hesitant to connect too quickly and wish that our individual needs were considered more carefully. Some of us might have felt very disconnected from others through lockdown and carry hurt about this. It's possible we'll find ourselves disagreeing about ways to move forward in the days ahead. We might struggle to truly listen to each other, to bide our time to speak after so long muted on Zoom. I don't know, but I do know that for a long time, we have not had the opportunities for those everyday incidental conversations. The ones where we check our perceptions or ask questions or just engage with each other and feel seen affirmed and loved. We've been through a lot and we will come back together a little bit more fragile and needy than before. And I suspect uh, though that few of us would be the kind of people to quickly express anger. It's not uh, a characteristic of our church, it's more our tendency to keep things to ourselves I think. And there has been no other choice lately. But this is a kind of danger too. And as we head into another stage yet again, I want to encourage all of us to be quick to listen, to listen with compassion to each other, to be slow to anger and slow to speak, but not to be silent. If there is something troubling you, please find the words and the time to have any conversation that needs to happen so we can be at peace with one another. This is not easy, but as we look intently into the perfect law and remember that God's love and forgiveness is secure for each one of us, we can, with his help, live out of that place of blessing and freedom in our relationships with one another. This is pleasing to God and good for us. And I'm looking forward to it. I want to show you a little video from the new 40 Stories series you can find on YouTube. This is a, a story of a woman called Loretta George, her story of knowing Jesus. Loretta is from the Mara and Wandarung tribes of Nukor in the Ropa River region and she lives in Bezik. She's a health worker, a sport and rec worker and a church leader and she cares for kids in her community who don't have parents. Her story is a great example to us, I think, of the things that we've been thinking about here in James chapter 1, and I thought it might inspire you. So Pete's going to play that video for us. Thanks, Pete. Let me pray for us. Our Lord God, we thank you for Loretta and for her family and the way you've been powerfully at work in their lives. Today, we humbly accept the word about Jesus planted in us, Perhaps for the first time, perhaps for the hundredth time, 
we receive your saving work. Write your law in our hearts, Heavenly Father, and help us to live it out, Holy Spirit, as we find our way back together as your gathered people in the weeks ahead, would you guide and strengthen us to love one another and glorify you. Amen.